because you remind us of how much you love us and how much you care about us as a people. And Lord, we can personalize that and just talk about ourselves right now. Where would we be, Lord, without you? And we thank you for how you show us where we would be without you and where we would be with you. Lord, teach us right now with this message about you, Christ our Savior. Teach us right now, Lord, about your goodness and how your goodness should indeed be imparted to us where we reflect you in today's world. Today's world is less and less interested in hearing about the things that you do and have done for us. But Lord, as we are reminded, we have a circle of influence around us where we want to see one person get saved, two people get saved, five people get saved. And Lord, you can help to do that because you are the one who brings people to you. But may we proclaim the gospel of truth as we go and share it, not hide it. May we be the city on the hill with the lights. May we continue to reflect you in all that we do. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm dedicating this message to my beloved cousin, Deborah Grilly, who passed away a couple of weeks ago from lung cancer. It was very quick. Happened very quickly. And she was the type of person who truly did reach out, and when she sent the birthday cards about birthday greetings, she would put the little sprinkles inside. You open the card up, and all the sprinkles would fall out on the table and all that. But that was her style. That's what she did. She really thought little of herself, but a lot about others. I have a question for you to ponder today. Do you have a fear of dying? A fear of dying. Now, for starters, don't answer the question out loud. Your answer to this question will not constitute a pass-fail scenario or being graded on a curve. It's a straightforward question. And if you need help before answering it, let me provide for you a story of a person, a person who lived an exemplary life, a selfless life, even in death. Joe Delaney was a two-time All-American athlete in football and track who played at Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana. I should pronounce that right. He was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs and played running back for two seasons. In that time, he would set four franchise rushing records in 1981 that would last for more than 20 years. The team finished with a 9-7 and record that year, their first winning season in eight years. He was named the team's most valuable player, was voted as AFC Rookie of the Year, and made the Pro Bowl 
and the Pro Football Writers All-Rookie Team. Of course, his stature as a professional football player called greater attention to his acts of benevolence. He paid for the funeral of a former teacher whose family could not afford it. It was on June 29, 1983, he responded to the cries for help of three young children floundering in a pond at Critters Creek, an amusement center in Monroe, Louisiana. I'm going to read an account from C.K. Reardon, who is a columnist for the Platte County, Missouri Landmark. Joe was at that park and became an extraordinary hero in the blink of an eye. Reports are that Joe instructed others nearby to call for help while he acted. You see, Joe Delaney could not swim. But he knew without his intervention these children would surely perish in that pond of water in the park. Joe waded into the water, managed to get one of the boys to the bank of the body of water. That child was saved. Then, as extraordinary heroes do, Joe went back for the other two children. He would never return from the water alive. The other two children he attempted to save also perished on this June day in 1983. Delaney, who was married with three children, passed away at age 24. His wife, Carolyn, remarked as to her husband's selflessness. He always said if there was any way he could help someone, he would. In the days following Delaney's death, President Ronald Reagan honored Delaney with the Presidential Citizens Medal, saying he made the ultimate sacrifice by placing the lives of three children above regard for his own safety. By the supreme example of courage and compassion, this brilliantly gifted young man left a spiritual legacy for his fellow Americans. It's been 40 years since Delaney's passing. And while he was a great contributor in the football world for a brief period of time, his legacy is more about his life of charity and caring for others, and a short life at that. It's been 40 years since Joanna Noel saw her father, Joe Delaney, former Kansas City's Chiefs running back, alive as she was three months old when he passed away. His strong moral character and mission to do right by others drive Noel's everyday decisions. Today, Noel, his youngest daughter, along with her mom, an older sister run the Delaney 37 Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to serving the youth through mentorship, education, leadership, development, financial literacy, and the promotion of water safety. The organization prides itself on creating opportunities to build character as the youth transform into contributing citizens in the community. Joe Delaney lived by all accounts, a life of love and selflessness, even in death. He did not fear death. His life is an example for us to look at and even admire, but there are few who would make 
that ultimate sacrifice that he made. It's the greatest example of love you would ever see. Jesus tells us this very thing. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 15. Let's take a look at John 15 and let's look at verse 13. John chapter 15, verse 13. John 15, verse 13. I'm going to read from the New International Version. Please follow along in yours. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He is telling us that love is the foundational principle in giving one's life for others. Love. I'm going to challenge you with the premise that as you and I grow more and more in our relationship with Jesus, the fear of death becomes less and less prevalent. As you trust in God and live a life of greater faith, you're going to readily declare the necessity for Jesus to come quickly. Come quickly. It's fitting that at the very end of Scripture in the prophetic book of Revelation that Jesus affirms these very words. He says he is coming soon within Revelation chapter 22 three times. Three times. I'm going to feature the third reference here. Go to Revelation 22, verse 20. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. And I've always wondered personally, you know, what is this emphasis? And this, this goes way back. This is not like recently. This is a long time ago. What is all this emphasis about Jesus coming quickly? Well, in Revelation, we know that he's going to come and be ultimately the judge when he comes back to earth. But we're not even talking about the rapture. But look what it says here in Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So, if we have a fear of death, there's a remedy. It involves the sacrificial actions of Jesus on the cross for us. Shouldn't be any surprise where this message is going. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for us so we wouldn't have to worry about death or dying or what's going to happen after we do die. If you believe in Jesus and acknowledge your need for his salvation, there is no longer a need for you to be fearful of physical death. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us and gave us the ability to live forever with him. There is no greater love than this. Amen? He loves us and he gave of himself for us, the people that he loves. That's why he went to the cross. 
since Jesus has done this, he gives us what we need to overcome all of our fears with faith. Why is faith important? Why is faith being mentioned here? Because we cannot live a life for Jesus without it. Turn to Hebrews 11.6. Faith is a necessity in believing the words of Jesus Christ. And you'll wonder why it's so hard for some people to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's because they don't have any faith. They don't want to believe it. I have a hard time believing what you're telling me, they'll say. Well, you can have a hard time with it all you want to, but if truth is still going to be truth, whether you believe it or not. But faith is a necessity for you to believe the words of Jesus. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, sorry, I don't know if I said Hebrews 11, 6 or not. Hebrews 11, verse 6, Now without faith it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Let's, let's do a survey of some passages here just to reinforce this thought that's taking place. And for the courtesy of this audience here, and of course we have an audience that's online as well too, we don't make any assumptions about how much people know about Scripture. We go through it, and we'll go through it several times and repeat it because it's good reinforcement. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. And while you're thinking about this, I want you to be praying for people in your life that need to hear stuff like this. Pray that God gives them the faith to believe. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. This is the NIV version. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Do you see this, everyone? This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. You're here for the purpose of doing the work of God before others. Anytime tells you, I don't know what my purpose is, well, then you don't understand why you're here. God loves us so much that he even provides us the capacity of having faith. It is given to us because of his love and frankly, his patience with us. And God is very patient with us. We live in an age of grace. There is no better time than today to tell people about Jesus Christ and make sure that they latch on to that faith and believing in him as Lord and Savior of their lives. He gives us this faith through his grace. With this love, there is no need to fear our physical death. We know where we are going when we know where we are going when we leave the earthly realm. And you know what's really interesting about that? We're not talking about taking a long journey. When we leave here, 
Literally, when we close our eyes, we open our eyes in our new destination. Now that, that's scriptural. And we know that because of what happened with the rich man. There wasn't any time to debate as far as where he was going. There was no such thing as purgatory. You go, you close your eyes here, you are where you're at when you leave here. Now, I just veered off here, I'm sorry about that. But you don't have to worry about this stuff if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross, he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Well, paradise is not where the rich man was. You don't have to worry about time passing by. Time is something that God created for us. But we serve an eternal God. Faith is a necessity of life in Christ. A lack of faith has a way of slowing our growth potential. It is the strengthening that comes in faith that helps us along with each moment that we trust in the words of Jesus. Now we're to look at the words of Jesus that he was sent by God during his first appearance on earth to be Savior of all who look to him. Where do we see that? John chapter 3, verse 17. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world so that you and I would be saved. That was his purpose. In doing so, he was carrying out the will of his Father. He was and remains the living manifestation of God's righteousness and our redemption. Turn to Romans chapter 3. Let's look at verses 21 through 24. Romans 3 verses 21 through 24. It's a good idea to look at passages as you're reading the Bible, and you might be given a set of verses to look at and go through, but sometimes you just got to take a pause and look at exactly what scriptures say that are relevant to your very existence, relevant to your present and future. Verse 21, Romans 3. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in one person, Christ Jesus. Amen? He's the reason why you're here. He's the reason why you have the opportunity to have eternal life. He is Jesus Christ, our Savior, our perfect example of a selfless Redeemer. As we look to Jesus, we are to live in the same manner that Jesus lived. He lived an exemplary life that we are to emulate as a reflection of his message and his character. Jesus lived out his purpose here on earth. He lived it out. 
He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Let's consider these three attributes of Jesus that reflect his earthly mission as Savior of the world, because this is what he was all about. Number one, his acts of obedience. His acts of obedience. He was obedient to the Father. He was showing us and setting an example for us that we too need to be obedient to the words of God, to the Father. Jesus' life was completely devoted to expressing the love of God through his obedience to the Father for the sake of those he loves. That's us. It's for our sake. Author Nicholas Needham writes of Christ having a passive obedience that is more reflective of how he suffered for us. In fact, Jesus embraced suffering. And he was also practiced active obedience in his character in showing us how we are to live in our own life. Christ's obedience is a fulfillment of the law fleshed out in his human life. The fulfillment of the law fleshed out in his human life. Remember what Jesus said. He said he was the fulfillment of the law. All that Old Testament law, that Old Testament, those books that you read in the Old Testament, he was the fulfillment of that. Aren't you glad we have a Savior? Turn to Philippians 2, and let's look at verses 7 and 8. Philippians 2, verses 7 and 8. Philippians 2, verse 7. This is the Christian Standard Bible Version. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. I'm going to read to you Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, because it's a good follow-up to this passage. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When Jesus was baptized, it's not an accident that God was very clear. He was well pleased with his son. He knew the character of his son. He knew that his son would fulfill the very thing that he was called to do. A fragrant offering. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Let's look at verses 11 through 14. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Now, this is all about obedience, like I had mentioned before, right? So, if we're talking about being obedient to the Father, obedient to the words of Jesus, he helps us with this through the Spirit. Verse 11, Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no 
to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember what we said? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Would you have any of these attributes whatsoever if God didn't love you? He loves you. He wants what's best for you. One more. John chapter 10. Go to John 10, verses 17 and 18. And understand something. This whole thing about obedience. We know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. That's truth. And if you ask me to explain it, I'll say I can't. But it doesn't change the fact that it's truth. Because he gave of himself for us. And this passage alludes to this. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. This is the NIV version. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Authority. Authority. This command I received from my Father. He willingly gave of himself for us because he loves us. Number two, the acts of servanthood. Jesus' acts of servanthood. And some of these overlap a little bit because we can argue that because he was being obedient, he was also being a servant. Well, and because he was a servant, he was being obedient. The bottom line is that this is an act that is an attribute that we also need to have. Jesus' obedience to the Father involved taking a lesser position. Now check this out. His disciples, because of their association with Jesus, believed they had earned a special, highly elevated position. This was a teachable moment for them. I want you to turn to John chapter 10. Now go to verse 35. We're going to look at verses 35 through 45. You have to understand something. The disciples were human beings just like you and me. They didn't have any special powers on their own. The only power they derived from what they had is because the Spirit it gave, was given to them by Jesus through the Spirit. But they didn't have any special powers. But guess what else they had? They had egos. They had egos. They were hanging around with Jesus the entire time. They figured, hey, for a couple years, you know, we are, we are the bee's knees. We are the best in sight. But they had to learn something. Let's go to verse 35, John chapter 10. We're going to read down to 45, but follow along in your version, please. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Verse 38, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. 
Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 41, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, <coughs> excuse me, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come down here to be a big shot. He didn't come down here to be some, he wasn't going to be this king that everybody tried to make him to be. He came to be a servant. Our fleshly nature tends to elevate who we are. Even for those of us who are in Christ. Jesus teaches us that our stature is not in our titles or positions. Our stature is in our willingness to give of ourselves. And even without a lot of notoriety. Joe Delaney didn't think for a moment about who he was or what his position was when he went into that creek. He simply gave of himself. Jesus reminds us that all who look to him are to follow his example of being a servant. Amen? A servant. He is also our servant in the present, and he is always available for you. Jesus has always promised us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He said this over and over and over again. He has always been present because of his love for us. It's mentioned in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, but I want you to turn to Hebrews 13, and let's look at verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Interestingly, verse 5 starts out with something that's pretty important. <coughs> Pardon me, because it, it alludes to the fact that if you're involved with loving money and you don't have contentment, you're not going to be a very good servant. Bammo. You're not going to be a good servant. So it says in verse 5 of Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money, not just money, the love of money, totally different thing. The love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So wait, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Amen? We saw earlier how Jesus emptied himself to live as a man and as a humble servant. That was in Philippians 
and he challenges each of us to live the same way with our brothers and sisters. John 12, verse 26 says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will, be, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Be a servant. Give of yourself. A servant for Christ is reminded that he or she has to truly die to self to live for Jesus. Die to self, live for Christ. Turn to John 11. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. John 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. Okay, don't go too fast. Right? And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is where faith comes in. The gift of faith gives you what you need to believe the words that Jesus tells you. You know, it's, it's okay to be skeptical, but not to the point where you're just trying to be clever. Amen? God wants you to go back and search his word and check it out and test it out and look at it for what it is, but some people like to be clever. You'll clever yourself right into hell. Amen? The third point is his acts of love. His acts of love. You know, you can't really share too often how much God loves us. God truly does love us. You're here because of his love for you. Jesus often speaks of the love of God for his people, and it is always there for anyone, anyone who cares to see it. Did you hear me? Anyone who cares to see it. It's there. And receive it. It's there for you to take. He wants his love for us to be conveyed to those that he has called us to proclaim the truth of his gospel message. What's the gospel message? What's the good news? John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It should be committed to memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Perish means what? Die. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. We're in an age of grace. He is, he is here. He was here for the purpose of us getting saved. Not a good idea to wait for his return to start talking about, Lord, I believe you now. 
But he'll hear you and he'll, he'll save you if you want to be saved. Even during the tribulation. But it's a good idea to get it taken care of now. During the age of grace. Amen? No better time than the present. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 and through 40. You can turn to that. Matthew 22, verse 36. <clears throat> One thing that Scripture does do for us, and Jesus does for us because he is the fulfillment of the law, he also gives us information that's very helpful. Where even the person who is still trying to get a handle on reading the Bible... Of course, we have a two-year Bible plan where you can read the Bible in a two-year period of time so that you don't have to rush through it. You can just go over it day by day and pray on it and meditate over it. <clears throat> but in this particular passage, he gives you the summary of everything that you're reading. Verse 36, Matthew 22. Teacher, which command in the law is greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look what it says in verse 40. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. All those books in the Old Testament center back on this. The foundation of everything we see that comes from Jesus are acts of love for his people. The fundamental way that we share God's word is with a loving heart a loving heart, a loving heart. We're not beating somebody over the head with Scripture. You don't have to do that. You don't need to do that. A loving heart and a concern for others. A concern for the salvation of others. That's all we're called to do. Love other people and be prepared to share the gospel. That's our show for the day, but that's exactly what we do. After all, that's what Jesus has provided for us, salvation in taking away the penalty of our sins. John the Baptist said it himself in John 1.29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we're reminded in Romans 3.23, we have to have sin taken away from us, uh, taken and covered for us by God because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you say you haven't sinned, what does John say? You're a liar. And why would you lie on yourself like that? You need sin taken away. You need sin removed. You need a remedy for your sin. And that's Jesus. And we have a remedy. Go to 1 John 1, 9. Do you have sin in your life? Well, if you're answering honestly, every one of us has sinned at least some point today. And it's early, isn't it? We haven't even gotten to noon yet, but we've just crossed noon. But every one of us has sinned at some point today. Amen? But the wonderful thing about what Jesus has done for us. He puts a verse in here for us to remember. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. 
those moments you're feeling your lowest, remember 1 John 1.9. And there's going to be a moment where you feel pretty low. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Where would we be without Jesus? That's the work that only our divine Savior can do. It's because of his act of love and giving his life for us on the cross. Are you still worried about dying? We're all going to die one day. Amen? I wish I could say something different, but our physical body, we're going to die one day. All of us are going to die. Prayerfully, it will take place with a secured knowledge that when you cross over, you will see Jesus face to face. That's what I want. I want to see Jesus face to face. That's something to look forward to. It is admirable that when we see how others have given their lives for complete strangers, but these people are not strange to Jesus. He knows every one of them, and he gave his life for them to complete his mission on earth. We do not need to wonder what's going to happen to us when we die. We don't need to. Jesus has all of this taken care of. And he has it all taken care of. If you believe in him as your personal Lord and Savior. 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Now this is his command that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit he gives us. He has given us. That's love. It's an assurance. His assurance means we don't need to fear. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. We don't need to fear death because you have it all taken care of for us if we have a believing relationship with you. It's all that we need to do, but for many it's such a challenge to even have faith and believe your words. Lord, we pray for those very people right now and lift them up to you that you will teach those individuals, that you will impress upon them how important it is for them to have a relationship with you, a saving relationship with you. Lord, your goodness abounds. May we never tire of hearing of your glory, of your goodness, of the reason to worship and praise you. Lord, may we impress upon those who still haven't made that commitment that we don't know when you're returning. And there's no better time than right now to give consideration to making sure that eternity is all taken care of. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching and your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for affirming the importance of truth, affirming the, imp affirming the importance of prayer. Prayer praying for those individuals who do not know you, praying over the lives of our youth, the people who need to hear your truth. 
Lord, don't let generational gaps be a reason for us to stop. We want to be able to speak to everyone about your truth, young and old. And Lord, help us to also not put up barriers like that ourselves. Truth is truth. We want to continually hear what you have to say to us. We want to also impart that wisdom to everyone who needs to hear it. Lord, there's a reason why you are recreating revivals amongst younger people today in different parts of the country. Where they're hearing your truth and they want to be part of who you are. Lord, don't stop. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.